This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. When you have some time, remember, subscribe to the Kelly and Company podcast, if you would. There you can listen to the show in its full version. We toss on an audio vanity card right on the end there you can take a listen to. But if you prefer, maybe you had a segment you just want to hear again, you want to check out, maybe it came partially through it into listening to the show. Well, subscribe to the podcast because you can listen to the segments on their own, parceled out and available to you. And, of course, share that link with somebody if you want to share it. Uh, also, again, listen to the complete Kelly and Company podcast experience if you have a mind to. So we like to have choices when indulging in the podcast, folks. It's a great way to catch up on the show if you do a little binging. That's the Kelly and Company podcast available to you. Just simply subscribe using your favorite podcaster. Kelly McDonald here with Ramya Muthan. Kells, we're uh, still waiting on our um, next guest to hopefully join us today, but... Uh, in the meantime, shall we talk about some other things? Yeah, always have some great stuff, uh, really rum to to get into on the yeah. program. Um, and, and mm-hmm. oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say maybe we should talk about some things going on in the world of animals because this one's pretty interesting. I wanted to bring it up on the roundtable, but too late. It's being brought up now. So a team of zoologists. zoologists <laughs> <laughs> Genetic scientist and venture capitalist is trying to bring back an animal declared extinct nearly a hundred years ago. The last Tasmanian tiger, or thylacine, died in captivity in 1936. So there is actual video of that creature. More importantly, there's well-preserved genetic material, which could make reassembling the genome possible in the next decade. The thylacine looks like a cross between a wolf, a fox, and a tiger, but it's actually a marsupial. The goal is to reintroduce that carnivore back into the wild in Tasmania. What's unknown is the potential impact on an ecosystem that's adjusted to life without it. Jim Ryan, ABC News. So doesn't that sound like something that's just literally a plot from a sci-fi movie? i'm not kidding if you had no context that this was real life you would think it's the the synopsis of an upcoming blockbuster like it's absolutely wild to me and again when we you know debrief and we reflect we think okay this is where things are headed like the the technology the conversations the uh, actual science and research is out there now but it still feels wild to think this thing was uh, extinct 100 years ago, you know, or so. And now we're saying, but we have the power to bring it back. To yeah, life. I think it's always really funny. And especially when you hear capitalists mentioned in there and the funding and everything like that. So it, it's a funny one. And I know it always makes us wonder, is this for real? But rum. There are so many things nowadays. And, and I always think if you're talking to a young person, they kind of must chuckle when you fail to understand how something's done because to them, what are you talking about? This is every day. Yeah, that's true. That's true. We live from the perspectives we're used to and the biases that we come with. But, um, you know, if, if you're growing up in this time, you're like, yeah, of course, of course we're getting there now. 
course the autonomous vehicles are out in 2023. <gasps> Still can't get over that. All right. Well, let's talk about something else. The Ashkenaz Festival is one of the largest and most prestigious showcases of Jewish mu- music and culture anywhere in the world. And we're going to ch- talk about the 13th edition of this festival, uh, which takes place in Toronto from August 30th to September 5th. So coming up with artistic director Eric Stein. Eric, thank you for making some time to come on Kelly and Company. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So can you explain what the Ashkenaz Festival is, uh, and then we'll go from there. Sure. Uh, The Ashkenaz Festival is a celebration of global Jewish music and culture. The festival was started in 1995, and it was originally created as a vehicle for celebrating Eastern European Jewish culture, which is what the title refers to, Ashkenaz. It refers Mm. to Eastern European Jews or Ashkenazic Jews. Um, Over the years, we have broadened our mandate to include other forms of Jewish identity, as well as all sorts of sort of cross-cultural manifestations of Jewish music and culture in dialogue with non-Jewish forms. So that's why we've sort of gone for our, our, initially the tagline of the festival when we started in the 90s was a festival of new Yiddish culture, because the festival at that time was very much a, a reflection of a, a very strong, vibrant uh, revival movement of Eastern European Jewish forms like Yiddish language and klezmer music. And uh, and now in these more recent years, we've, we've broadened it to kind of celebrate all different kind of manifestations of, of Jewish music and culture. Uh, you guys have a very special opera at this year's event. Can you explain more to us about it? Yeah, we are presenting the first ever Yiddish opera, uh, to be presented in Canada. And in fact, it's the first Yiddish opera that was ever written. Uh, and it's a fascinating story because the work was written in 1924 in Poland by a composer named Henech Kohn. And it was only performed once. And at that time, he had not fully orchestrated the work. So it was only performed with piano accompaniment. And then it was never performed again. And the work was thought to be lost. And five years ago, a uh, manuscript of the score turned up in an auction and an ethnomusicologist named Deanna Matut uh, got her hands on this manuscript and decided that she wanted to get the work uh, revived and restored. And, and the manuscript was missing 16 pages. So uh, in addition to requiring orchestration, it also required somebody to fill in those missing parts of the, of the score. Um, and that was done by a musician named Josh Horwitz. And then a Toronto-based Yiddishist named Michael Wex was engaged to fill in the libretto for those missing sections. And a full version of this opera was staged for the first time in Germany in 2019. And we are now doing a new production in Toronto, which will be the, the North American premiere of this, of this work. What an incredible wow. discovery. And, and when you tell the story like that, um, really something to make people like, Wow, and and the creativity it takes to to be so true to the piece while adding those sixteen pages and and the orchestration. Absolutely, it's a, a very delicate uh, musical and historical endeavor, and one that was pulled off uh, very very deftly by all the creative people involved. And uh, and this production that we're doing for the festival this year, we're, we're doing it in partnership with UCLA in California. So they're actually sending their Philharmonia Orchestra here to perform the work, and then they'll be joined by soloists and choristers based in Toronto. Um, and uh, so it's, it's sort of an international affair, this production. It seems like a really incredible um, significance 
to be sharing this at the festival because of all the work that, that's been going through and the discoveries uh, and to say, okay, and this is, you know, leads back to the intention of why this festival exists in the first place. Uh, you've also yeah, had some, mm-hmm, go ahead. I was going to say that that's exactly it. I mean, it's, it's, uh, and it's interesting to look at how far we've come as a festival and how far this Yiddish cultural revival has come in the last 27 years. Cause in the nineties, mm-hmm. it was, really very much Yiddish culture was something that everybody thought was dying out and the Yiddish language was dying away. And mm-hmm. the incredible thing is, you know, the, the reports of Yiddish's death were, were greatly exaggerated. <laughs> it's <laughs> yes. become extremely vibrant and ever more so vibrant as the years go by. And you see creative projects like this that are making, you know, what was once considered a dead language uh, new again and fresh yeah. for younger generations. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and the younger generations part of it is so important, too. We can get into that. But there's other things that have been going on throughout the festival. Um, can you talk about some of the ones that are catching your attention? Yeah, for sure. Um, so most of the festival is actually free. The, the opera is a ticketed event, and we have two other ticketed events, including our opening concert, which is a, a concert of women cantors. Um, and then another theater show that we are doing called uh, Last Night at Cabaret Yiddish, which is also a, a performance in Yiddish with English subtitles, and that's sort of a, a very riotous and uproarious comedic thing that uh, has been described as uh, Cabaret Meets the Producers in Yiddish. <laughs> um, so those are the ticketed events. And then that, that last one, the, the cabaret thing, that uh, brings us into our weekend at Harborfront Center. And this is really what has been the heart of this festival all along, is we have a massive uh, celebration at Harborfront Center over Labor Day weekend with almost all the events free. Um, and uh, we have a, a, an incredible array of different performers from different parts of uh, Canada, the U.S., and Europe, and Israel, and uh, a really diverse, eclectic lineup that ranges from, uh, well, we talked about the Yiddish opera, but we've also got, obviously, klezmer music, and we've got a Jewish bluegrass band. We've got Sephardic and Ladino singers. This is uh, Ladino is the uh, Judeo-Spanish language of Sephardic Jews. So Sephardic Jews are are Jews that come from uh, Spain and Portugal and the Mediterranean. Um, and we have, uh, an incredible singer and violinist from Los Angeles who's of Persian Jewish descent named Chloe Pormoretti. We have, uh, a group called the Ukrainian Jewish All-Stars. We're actually, um, spotlighting a lot of Ukraine, Ukrainian-based culture in the, in the festival this year. Nice. Um, so much of the work that we present is actually originates in that part of the world. There was a, a, a very large Jewish population there before the Holocaust and some of the most vibrant um, music and culture that has come from the Jewish community has come from that region. So uh, on Saturday night at Harborfront, uh, September 3rd, we're going to have a 15-piece band with singers and brass musicians um, performing a a diverse selection of uh, Ukrainian Jewish music. Boy, that's beautiful. Wow. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. And we also have a, an exhibition that's going to be up during the weekend at the festival that explores a thousand years of uh, interaction between Jews and Uca- Ukrainians. Oh, um, wonderful. And really sort of gets deep into what you know that sort of cultural relationship, which is, is so intimate. Eric, we're about out of time. Tell us where we can go get more information online. Ashkenaz.ca, A-S-H-K-E-N-A-Z.ca. Amazing. Uh, appreciate your time and thank you so much for joining us on the show and all the best. 
Thank you very much. Take care. We were speaking to the artistic director of the Ashkenaz Festival, Eric Stein, talking about the 13th edition of this festival running in Toronto from August 30th to September 5th. After the break in the next hour, Lucia Belafonte will be breaking down the importance of organizational skills and the ways that these skills help children with disabilities foster independence. On our book club, we review The Scarlet Letter by Nathaniel Hawthorne. But up next, folks, Montreal Community Reporter Matthew Mathieu Rochette joins us with his Community Report to kick the hour off. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.